The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host is with us and will join us in just a second. You know, uh, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always want to give you cutting-edge interviews and tools and tips so you can be in the top 10% and the people that you develop can also be in the top 10%. So we always try to bring you people with uh, interesting backgrounds, proven leaders, you know, proven folks who uh, can lead organizations to success. And today we're going to be talking about creating a no-fail culture. And the individual that we're going to be uh, interviewing is David Cooper. He is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL and president of Karakoram Group. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, David, and then we'll bring on uh, Kathy. So David is the president and co-founder of Karakoram Group, and we'll ask him a little bit more about you know, that and exactly how he came up with that. He brings the highest level of special operations, counterterrorism, and anti-terrorism experience to bear on strategic global security issues, blending a mix of data-driven and experience-driven enterprise risk management and risk leadership practices. So you're going to get someone who's been on the, on the front line and, and try to translate some of this into our uh, business leaders. As a U.S. Navy SEAL, and the senior operator at the elite Naval Special Warfare Development Group, David spent over a decade not only pursuing some of the world's most wanted terrorists and war criminals, but more importantly, creating, leading, and sustaining the high-performing teams that achieve unparalleled success against these extremist organizations. Today we'll learn insights from David on how he trains elite warriors and how whole companies to apply a no-fail attitude and build a no-fail culture. So uh, before we bring David on, I want to make sure you know a little bit about our, our show. You know, Leadership Development News were um, ranked in the top five of Voice America. Millions of listeners, 27 countries, 126 uh, cities. And we typically get as many as uh, 95,000 downloads for these shows, basically through the last uh, eight years that Kathy and I have been doing this. Let me say a word about Kathy, and then we'll bring her on. For folks who don't know Kathy, uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg coaches leading executives and entire companies on her proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology and now the science of courage. Kathy's been named the First Lady of Happiness and the First Lady of Fearless Living by ABC TV. Dr. Kathy Greenberg has authored multiple popular books, the Science of Happiness, including the New York bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know, 
now over in a dozen languages. She touched millions in a much-demand speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. She's a founder of four consultancies, three leadership institutes. Kathy actively supports behavioral research while offering friendly tips and tools to be your best at work. Uh, this is on the Morning Blend show, and she has a iPhone app, Your Happiness Now, where you can see her smiling face and get some of the tips from her. The latest number one best-selling book is based on her work with special operations, sports athletes, and global executives entitled uh, Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus, available on Amazon. You can visit Kathy and her team of working warriors and special operations coaches at www.fearlessleadersquiz.com, www.fearlessleadersquiz.com for a free leadership style quiz and downloads and a lot of other uh, free tools. Kathy, welcome. Thanks, Riley. I'm really excited to be here today to hear a lot about what Dave has been up to with regard to building a no-fail culture. I'm sure many of our listeners who are coaches, talent professionals, business line leaders will get a lot out of those insights, and I'm hopeful that uh, we'll be able to uh, re, uh, I, I would say, kind of reestablish an identity here for um, many of the uh, kinds of, I'll say, leadership practices that we see when we work with uh, our friends in the military and how they can apply very readily to the, to the boardroom as well as the battlefield. So thank you. Thank you for uh, hosting uh, Dave Cooper today. So, Before we get started, I just want to make sure all of you who are listening also know who one of my favorite people is, and he's not only an esteemed co-host for me, he's also going to be uh, a co-author on one of our new Fearless Leaders books in our series, and uh, certainly he is an established authority on the subject of emotional intelligence and an award-winning author himself. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and, of course, his development programs. Relly's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides all of us with hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries, including ourselves. And you can visit him at truenorthleadership.com. You can pick up a lot of free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. And you can get his free iApp called Leadership Keys, which is at the iTunes store. You can also uh, pick up a lot of Relly's work from his Psychology Today blog, which is titled Leading with Emotional Intelligence and has, you know, well, uh, well over at this point, 100,000 reads. You can join Rally's EI Central Interest Group and you can gain access to a lot of free tools and tips to be your best by texting EI Central to 38470. Let me give you that again. Text EI Central to 38470. So, Relly, I'm very excited today to get started with uh, a a buddy of mine who um, I am just so happy to have with us today. Uh, Dave is a very special person, and I'm sure as our 
listeners hear more about them, um, they will get excited and understand why we are. I guess just a couple things before we, we bring uh, Dave on. Could you just remind our audience why we do this show, why leadership is important to us, and what we hope everyone learns, regardless of where they are in their career as a coach or a top performer, sure. about leadership and why it's important? Sure, Kathy. I'm glad to do that. You know, especially for our new listeners who may not hear some of that, and then we'll get into some of the questions and experience that we hear from David. So um, one of the things and why we, we talk about leadership development news, profiles and practices of top performers, we know emotions are contagious. And the most contagious person is the leader. We like to call the leader the emotional thermostat. Depending on the team uh, and the climate, they can have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence of the climate of the team. And I think David's going to tell us about you know, some of these warriors and some of the leaders you know, who have that much influence over the team, even more so. The other aspect that we like to talk about, when you think about who's on your team and how are you developing them and who are you hiring, how smart are they, their IQ, any kind of technical expertise they have, and then this concept of emotional intelligence. Well, the further you go up in an organization, the more their success factors rely on emotional intelligence. Uh, IQ is, is very important. What happens, most people are about the same. They're all probably high average. So that becomes a, an equalizer. And often the techno expertise, people leave that because now they're, they're doing less of that and they're more leading, directing, communicating, motivating, inspiring, holding people accountable all the realms of, uh, of emotional intelligence. And when you do training, which we all do, um, that has about a 22% in productivity. But if you can add individual coaching, individualizing the training for that particular person, it can increase productivity about uh, 88%. And so, Kathy, that's kind of a quick overview. So maybe tell us about how, you know, how did you, uh, you and David meet and some of that background. Well, over the years, uh, as you know, I have uh, been working with the U.S. Army War College, uh, the Pentagon, and most recently, uh, with your assistance, we worked down at Navy Special Warfare, and uh, as we uh, always do uh, along the way, we make some fabulous friends and contacts, and uh, one of them, uh, Chief Warrant uh, Officer Ron Carpenter, uh, who is still uh, fully engaged uh, as a SWIC, a Special Warfare Combatant Crewman. Um, happened to have been on a team with uh, Admiral uh, Scott Moore. And um, when I was meeting with Admiral Moore, I was lucky enough to get a two-for-one. And uh, Dave was not only uh, a very helpful individual in understanding a lot about how businesses need to develop a no-fail culture to help us enlist not only the best people, but the best cultures and the best practices. But he, um, he also was a speaker at a program where we uh, actually shared uh, the, um, the stage, and that was at a very large organization called Winsight, uh, which is uh, an organization for the convenience store and petroleum industry. So um, we're going to go to a break very quickly. We're going to be right back, and you're going to hear directly from Dave Cooper. So don't go away. We're going to be talking about a no-fail culture. Come right back. We're 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're about ready to jump into some intriguing questions uh, for David Cooper. He's the president and co-founder of Caracorum Group. We'll hear a little bit more about that. And as we said in the first part... Uh, he's a retired U.S. Navy SEAL and senior operator at the elite uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group. So, David, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sure. And so we always start off with uh, a couple questions just to kind of get to know how you develop your leadership. Who are some of the key people who have influenced you the most in your leadership over the years? 
I mean, that's a great question. I can certainly, you know, without naming names, point to, you know, the guys that I worked with, uh, particularly over the last decade overseas in places like Afghanistan and, and Iraq and whatnot. And, and I will tell you, I think some people might find it ironic, but most of these guys that I looked up to were actually junior to me, and they're actually out there in the field leading uh, whether it was, you know, the number one man through the door, if you will, to an, an enemy compound or because they had a, a particular skill that we needed and they led during a, a particular phase of an operation or, you know, sometimes it's simply because they had a better way of doing things and they had to try to, without any rank whatsoever, try and influence up and influence guys like me. And, uh, you know, those are the guys, the operators that I have been influenced most by. And, of course, there are others in history as well. Um, you know, Aristotle is, is a big influence on me, as well as, uh, you know, some Eastern philosophers as well. So, but the real ones I look at are the, are the guys themselves. Dave, you are currently working on uh, a book that's a unique perspective from what we see coming out in the public domain today from your brothers in special operations. Can you talk a little bit about your book? Well, I would say as soon as you mentioned book and Navy SEAL, you're going to frighten some people. But yeah, I mean, writing has always been a passion of mine. Philosophy has always been a passion of mine. I have no desire to tell, uh, you know, the tell-all story. I, I think that's reprehensible when people do that. Uh, however, I do think it's, you know, just as service was a privilege, uh, and as I've, I've said many times, with any privilege comes obligations, and, uh, you know, after we retire, those obligations... They don't go away. They simply uh, uh, change form. And we have, I think, an obligation, uh, you know, to pass on what we've learned uh, about leadership, about our humanity, uh, and, uh, and what we've learned the hard way through combat. So the book is kind of like that. It's more of a, uh, places where Eastern and Western philosophy come together and, and uh, how those uh, philosophies impacted my observations of 10 years of combat. That's really what the book's about. So, if, you know, if you've ever, ever read, uh, you know, Marcus Aurelius' uh, Meditations, the book would be, or will be similar to that. Beautiful. I can't wait. <laughs> Anything we can do to help, just count us in. And uh, do you have a, uh, David, is there a, uh, a working title that you have right now, just to get an idea? Uh, yeah, A Real Sword. So that's, uh, you know, the title is something that um, uh, Miyamoto Masashi references in his book, The Book of Five Rings. It's merely a, a saying that means, you know, to treat something with seriousness, a real sword. Okay. Great. Well, that sounds re- <clears throat> really exciting. But I'm open to ideas. So if you have better ideas, they let me know. <laughs> no, I'll give you credit. That, that sounds fantastic, and I, I can't wait to uh, hear more about it. So tell us... Tell us a little bit about your background, Dave, and what prepared you to be a U.S. Navy SEAL, and how that relates to the work uh, of the, the Karakoram Group, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Karakoram Group. So what prepares me? You know, I, we in the field teams will go around the country recruiting from, uh, you know, different recruiting young men who have played different sports. So for me, it was wrestling. I think wrestling is... Uh, you know, you certainly learn how to suffer as a wrestler. Um, SEAL training is, is about, uh, at some level, about suffering. So I think, you know, the wrestling uh, prepared me as much as you can possibly be prepared. But what gets you through training is not wrestling. It's, you know, your friends uh, out there. It's, it's, it truly is teamwork. I know, you know, 
from my own experience, there were times during that year-long training that I faltered and fell, and there was always somebody there to pick me up. Uh, and when they fell, I, you know, I was there to return the favors. So while wrestling might have prepared me, it's your friends that help you get to it. And then uh, um, how long has it been, uh, Dave, since you've retired? It has been three years, almost three years, yeah, two and a half years. Oh, okay. And then is that when you kind of started the uh, Karakorum group? Uh, no, not initially. I walked into uh, you know the the, uh, the consulting role like many who leave the military do, and I, I bounced around a little bit. I learned a great deal, but ultimately, some of the best advice I had when I got out was uh, from another gentleman who was, was retired and worked for a company called SAIC for a long time. And he said, "Hey, you know, go do this for a year or two, figure out what you like, and then go at it on your own." And that's really how Karakorum Group came about. And, uh, you know, it's, we're still a young company. We don't advertise. We kind of, uh, you know, took a page out of the old law firm book, if you will. And, you know, we have a lot of contacts out there, uh, and we really like the word-of-mouth recommendations. So as of yet, we, we don't advertise. You know, you can reach us at info at caracorumgroup.com, but uh, you're not going to really find us anyplace else out there unless you, you, you come across people that we've worked with, which is and growing. And say that again, Dave, the, how they contact you. Uh, the easiest way is email. It's info at caracorumgroup.com. Caracorum is K-A-R-A-K-O-R-A-M. And then what, and what does that stand for? Yeah, I just I want d- to know what the word, yeah, where, yeah. where the word Karakorum came from. So Karakorum is a mountain range, a Karakorum range in Pakistan. And it, uh, you know, really has the, the highest concentration of 8,000-meter peaks in the world. So it's an awesome sight to behold. But for us... You know, we, we talk about risk management or enterprise risk management or risk leadership is really how we come at it. Uh, when you, the, the best analogy I've ever heard for what risk is uh, is the, the landscape analogy. And that is quite simply it means, you know, you could be standing on top of the tallest peak uh, today, but that tall peak could be, a, you know, the molehill tomorrow. So mountain one day, molehill the next. And that really refers to how risk and complexity play against one another and play out and, you know, what we can do to combat these things or treat these things, and that's where we come in. And really, as I say, is with that brand of what we call risk leadership. Now, you have a background in in climbing. Does that come together here around the Karakorum philosophy and culture? Well, you know, it makes it easier to pick a name when, you know, all the guys in the company are climbers. Um, but that's not necessarily why we picked it. But, yeah, you know, climbing is uh, something else we're going to do here in the community, hopefully soon in the Virginia Beach community, is, is uh, you know, build a climbing gym. Because we have, you know, climbing is something I have been doing ever since I came into the SEAL teams over 25 years now. And... You know, climbing itself is a mini leadership course. It's all about decision making. It's all about learning to be uncomfortable and it's about competence and, um, you know, equanimity and all those different types of things we talk about when we talk about, you know, good leadership. Climbing is something that exercises all of those things, if you will. So yeah, we're, we are tied to it. We don't take our clients climbing though. I guess we could, but we do. You know, I'd like to do that. in my past, I used to work and lead these outward bound trips where, where climbing was always a, a part of that. But it's a great, it, you're right, it's a great metaphor 
because you're so much into the here and now, and there's a strategy of you know first the kind of mindfulness of being right Absolutely. on the on the wall, and then and second saying, okay, what's the strategy? Where's my next moves? But you really can't go too far uh, beyond you know what's my next move, and am I positioned, and you know how's my feet and hands doing, and so it's it's, it's a great one for staying focused, but also having kind of some strategy of where you're going to go. Absolutely. And we talk about strategy there, you know, that, and you talk about being focused and I can't go too far. That's, you know, a strategy plague right there is overreach. And, uh, you know, if you are overreaching your abilities in climbing, of course, that can be very, very dangerous. And again, we're right back to the notion of risk there and, and mm-hmm. how do we, you know, how do we treat risk and, and stuff like that. And we tend yeah. to do it through, through behaviors. But, well, yeah. that, that brings us to the question, Dave, what, how do you, define leadership, and if you can, in that definition, talk about some of the virtues that you think a leader should possess. You talked a little bit about discomfort. That's a big one in our book, Fearless Leadership and Your Focus, discomfort. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So tell us how you define leadership and then some of the the character traits, the virtues you think are important. Uh, I mean, that's a great question. Every... um Every leadership guru I've ever met, I ask them the same question. That is, you know, just what you've asked me, how do you define leadership? And, uh, you know, that kind of question really assumes that this thing we call leadership actually happens, right? And then beyond that, we have to define it. And then if we go beyond that, we can talk about, you know, quality or significance as they relate to uh, leadership and stuff like that. So as I... As I define it, it's really I hearken back to my roots in biology as a budding biologist, you know, 30 years ago. Of course, I went towards the field teams, but it really comes down to uh, a continuum, just like gene expression. You've got persuasion and, and um, influence really on one end of the spectrum, that's your entry level, and at the other end of the spectrum, you have virtue. Uh, but it's not virtue as a noun, it's, it's virtue in the sense of excellence in action because leadership is really a, a discipline of action. And that's, that's how I define excellence in action in All accordance right. with virtue. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a quick break and All we're right. going to be right back. So please don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. We're having a fantastic conversation with Dave Cooper and we're going to talk more about no-fail leadership and no-fail culture when we come back. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. 
Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with a top performer here, David Cooper, president and co-founder of the Kara uh, Corum Group. If you want to get some more information, he mentioned... Uh, info at Caracorum Group, and that's K-A-R-A-K-O-R-A-M, Caracorum Group. We just learned that that's a peak in uh, Pakistan or a set of peaks. And, David, before the uh, the break, you were trying a, a little bit about your definition of, of leadership, and then you were just touching, uh, touching on virtues as excellence in action. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about some of those virtues that you think a leader should possess. Uh, sure, and uh, you know, I'd happy, happily do that. And I think there are any number of virtues that a leader can and should possess. And those, again, virtue, not in a sense of noun, it's in a sense of action. So those virtues should be evident in a leader's you know, every action. But I tend to tout, you know, those virtues where, where East and West or Eastern and Western philosophy converge, uh, particularly on the virtues of wisdom and courage. Those are, you know, probably two I would hold up as, as, most important, although there are others out there as well. But I would also throw uh, compassion in there. And, and what I mean by compassion is, it's, you know, this ability to comprehend what it means to suffer with. And I think that is not a definition we typically uh, use for compassion here in the West. It's more of an, in a, in an Eastern mm-hmm. sense. But to me, that's, you know, this, 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 um, this definition of, or of compassion in the sense that we're suffering with, it's, it's the root of emotional intelligence for me anyway. And in a sense, there's empathy, but it also means, you know, to never forget where it is you came from uh, and never forget where it is, where, where humanity as a whole came from. And our beginnings were certainly humble, uh, to say the least. So that's compassion, um, you know, wisdom. 
isn't necessarily, you know, just a function of knowledge and experience, although that's part of it. But uh, to me, wisdom is revealed in how we apply that, that uh, knowledge and experience, and, of course, in a positive sense. And ultimately, you know, I think wisdom aims at not just achieving our goals, but in, in setting the conditions, and I think this is really important, in setting the conditions that allow others in our teams and our communities to, uh, to not only succeed, but to grow and uh, even to flourish, as, as Aristotle, you know, put it. And what I miss, courage, right? Courage is next. Courage is, uh, you know, we tend to think of courage in the sense of, uh, you know, we think of soldiers, you know, facing danger. And that is certainly one aspect of it. That is, you know, that's bravery. But courage is really, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's bravery in the face of, of any adversity, period. And I think in a, in a very practical sense, it means, um, you know, it's the courage to speak truth to power. And it means, you know, having the courage to confront evidence that might directly undermine our beliefs. It's, uh, you know, have the courage to admit when we're wrong, to admit that we, you know, perhaps don't have all the answers. It's the courage to admit uh, that we need to change when change is needed. Uh, and it's, uh, it's also having the courage to act even if you don't know what the consequences will be. And that's, you know, acting in the face of uncertainty. So all of these things are difficult. All of these things involve risk. And again, I think wisdom is the hedge against that risk. And then you see, you know, there's this virtuous circle right there with wisdom and courage and with compassion running through it, if all that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think okay. when, you, when you talk about it, um, with the experience and the wisdom that you do, can you think of any particular leader that may come to mind that might help our audience envision this um, this adjective uh, virtue? Oh, wow! I can't. You know, there's. I, I'm reminded of something that uh, Dostoevsky said. Uh, you know, crime and punishment. I can't remember the character that said it. Uh, Raskolnikov's buddy, but he said essentially, I'm going to paraphrase that, you know, if we were to look, scrutinize every man closely, would there be any good ones left? And that is, you know, obviously for a woman in there as well, that's true of all of us. So I don't necessarily think of a single leader that embodies all of these or is without uh, failure at some aspect here, but certainly when you think of men like Gandhi, um, you know, who, who uh, you embodied all of these things, even though he wasn't without flaw, obviously, I think uh, you know he is very powerful along those lines of, of uh, you know an exemplar for virtue, if you will. Martin Luther King. If you want to just the, just the military side of things, that ability to get out front and lead. Look at Alexander. Uh, obviously, a, you know a flawed individual, but here's a man that at his death was wounded eight times in battle. Uh, you know, rode at the head of his army, which is not something we see today. And, and um, I'm not saying it's something we should see today, though, either. But again, uh, great courage here and, and a whole host of other leadership attributes that he displayed in doing these things. So those are just a couple, you know. So, uh, Dave, you've been talking a lot about kind of the <clears throat> East and the West, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that uh, I think is kind of unique in, in, in a way. So say a little bit more about kind of your, you know, your influence of the East and then how well has that been accepted? Because at first it's like, oh, okay, I'm not, uh, it's not most, the most common blending. It's, it's probably very valuable, but uh, have, have you gotten it and how, how has it been accepted? Um, 
You know, I think acceptance is, if I can answer that first, it's all on how you package it. But I think anyone who is, um, counts himself or herself as a warrior, and I don't think you need to carry a gun to, to, to be a warrior. There are many different ways to have that kind of uh, outlook or, or, or attitude. But uh, if we just go the traditional sense and we talk about the martial arts, well, right there you're going to, you know, the um, Eastern philosophy is... is that which undergirds almost all of the martial arts and, right. and our art here in the West, military art, is no different. So that's really where I came to uh, huh. uh, Eastern philosophy. My first introduction would have been uh, not the greatest Eastern philosopher, but certainly uh, yeah, certainly someone who is a martial artist and very philosophical, and that's Bruce Lee, and he says a lot of great things out there. But uh, after that, it's it's you know it's, it's Taoism, it's it's Zen, it's aspects of Buddhism, uh, and, and Hinduism as well. So I, I think if you couch it in, you know, rational, philosophical terms, and we stay away from the hot-button items of religion and stuff like that, people, people do tend to accept it. Uh, even things like mindfulness, of course, you know, those things, mindfulness is a practice that, uh, you know, originated in the, in the East, but it's also not... Uh, something that was not evident, if you will, in the West. I mean, the Franciscan monks and nuns practice mindfulness. Meditation is what, you know, they would call it, we call it mindfulness. And people generally tend to accept that when you package something differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good. That's so yeah. I'm interested in uh, in that, obviously. And how would you say uh, the mindfulness, how is that getting um, in the military world? I know it's probably getting more accepted, but like on a daily practice, you know, when you're out on, on the front, what, how do people incorporate that? Is that internal? Um, do you do people on their own just kind of take take a couple of moments and deep breathing? Or, how, you know, how does that apply when you're actually, you know, out on the front? You know, one thing about, uh, you know, and I, uh, you know, I've been practicing mindfulness for, for close to 30 years at this mm. point. And I would say it is not something that is wildly popular in the military that I knew. Again, yeah. those guys who are martial artists tend to uh, maybe gravitate towards it. It is picking up, just as it's picking up with the rest of society. Um, but, uh, you know, I look at mindfulness in terms of, you know, those things that drive performance. We usually talk about tools, techniques, and behaviors, or technology. It doesn't have to be technology, but it's an easy example. Technology, the way we use technology, and then behaviors. Uh, those things that drive performance. Mindfulness is one of those, uh, one of those things, if you will, that encompasses all of that. It, it's both yeah. a tool, it is both a technique, and it is a behavior. And it certainly, uh, I think, drives performance on many, many levels. And I will tell you that for us, and I'm just speaking of, of fields, the job forces mindfulness. You can't to do it well, you're not going to be distracted by what's going on anyplace else. You are, you know, you're right here, right now. Uh, and I, I think, you know, when I start to talk to guys that, hey, they already have this practice uh, inherent in what they do, that, again, makes it more acceptable. And, and then, you know, then it's about can you recapture that when you're driving a car or when you're right. brushing your teeth and stuff like that. And then many are open to it. Yeah. So, Dave, when you... Um you know, when you think about mindfulness and you think about the model of leadership that we were just talking about, do you see any major differences between 
leadership in the military these days and leadership in the private sector, given you've been working on some pretty intense uh, counterterrorism strategies for large businesses that could be taken down very easily by a a uh, well-placed bomb or, um, you know, a uh, well-placed, you know, I'll say bug in their uh, IT system. Well, I, you know, obviously I, I do, and I'll be just a little bit critical of the, of the military that I am still obligated to, but I will tell you that, um, you know, many leaders in the military, especially, uh, you know, at the senior officer and senior enlisted ranks, rely on rank as a principal means to influence. And, um, you know, just about anybody coming into the military is told to respect the rank, not the person, which when you get right down to it, that is a ludicrous proposition, but people buy into it, and um, they learn not to respect the rank. They learn more to fear rank. So, mm. and, you know, so rank is overused in the, in the military. That's not something that civilian leaders really have. Uh, you know, it's, you know, in the civilian world, it's, you know, if I don't like my leadership, I will leave the company. Uh, you know, in the military, you don't really have that option. You've signed up for a, for a contract. But um, so that's overused. Of course, in the military, there is, you know, no formal uh, 350 program. So, you know, your subordinates don't or subordinates in general don't get a say in who gets promoted. So that unfortunately fosters this uh, culture where it's important to, uh, you know, impress the boss. And, and I'm not going to say it's not important. It's not, I'm not going to say that it's not important to impress the boss. It sure is, but that's only half the, the equation. You really need to make an impact in the lives of subordinates as well. So, you know, in those two areas right there, I would say, you know, civilian leadership really differs from, from military leadership. And at Stanford, I had the opportunity just for, you know, a short period of time to go down to Google. And, uh, you know, they're doing it right down there, if you will. Well, we'll come back right after this break. We'll talk a little bit more about what you think some of the solutions might be for the military. And, of course, Relly and I have a a dear friend who's been working with Google for some time, Mirabai Bush, and we are are delighted uh, to talk more about a no-fail culture with our, our good friend, Dave Cooper. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness, and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL, or return on leadership. You can, too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. 
Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profile of Practice of the Top Performers. We're talking with Dave Cooper, and Dave is the president and co-founder of uh, Caracorum Group. He is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL. And we're talking about how he's uh, blending his leadership, bringing some of the philosophy from the East to the West. And uh, before the, the break, Dave, you were talking about that, uh, that Google is doing it right. So let's explore that a little bit more. When you say doing it right, what would you say are some of the right uh, leadership uh, perspectives to bring into the business world? Sure. I think, you know, before I get into that, you know, one thing to interesting to me is, is an observation. Years ago, it became fashionable for uh, MBA students to read uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War, uh, and I think that's great that they do that, and I, I would encourage them to continue doing that, but I think to some extent, the tables have turned, and I think there's there's much that uh, you know the military or military leaders could learn uh, from some of these great companies that like Google that have actually uh, you know have to compete on a daily basis to survive. So I would you know recommend they read the the art of Google, if you will. Uh, although that book's not out there yet, it probably should be. But you know, again, we go back to to Dostoevsky. I'm sure Google's not perfect. I think uh, they do many things that that we already are aware of, some things that we did in the SEAL teams as well, just about wide-open spaces. And it's probably something that came from MIT way long ago. Uh, I can't remember the building, Building 520 or something like that. But these wide-open spaces, we do the same thing with our team rooms. It's not like separate cubicles or offices. It's wide open, and everybody's in there. And, uh, you know, the, the leadership at Google sits in these spaces as well. Now, many uh, or some, like Larry Page, have their own private offices as well, but they are not separate from the troops, and I think that's huge. But, you know, Google also goes a long way, uh, you know, towards 
and this is something Daniel Kahneman talked about, uh, you know, not too long ago, but Google really strives as a company to meet the, just the basic needs of its employees. You know, they have breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. They have childcare there. They have, if you can't get to work, they got a bus that will come and pick you up. They've got, you know, gyms on campus and all these things. So it's, you're, you're, you're seeing a company that obviously makes a great deal of money. Their, their execs make a great deal of money as well, but there's a great deal of money pumped back in and resources and time and energy and compassion, if you will, uh, pumped right back into the company and its employees as well. And it's, there's no, uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to imagine why Google is the last several years, you know, voted the number one company to work for by its employees. I think that's huge, you know. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Dan Kahneman. Uh, Relly and I often uh, talk about his work when we think mm-hmm. about businesses, and, and it's so refreshing um, to hear right. you uh, include all of these comments uh, with regard to how you have been working with uh, what we know to be the elite forces at, uh, at you know, special warfare there with the SEAL and SWIFT community. So tell us a little bit about that work and what's, what's one of the... I'll say one of the things that you in particular teach uh, about mindfulness that really makes a difference in the work that these guys do on the back end. Well, you know, I I go back very infrequently. I think um, when I'm asked to go back, I will certainly go back. Most of what I do is pro bono. Uh, You know, it's uh, I go back for young seals and I teach a a course on tactics. Uh, It's actual, you know, small unit tactics, but, Throughout that course on actual tactics, um, I'm, I am, you know, maybe not overtly talking about mindfulness, but it's it's there uh, behind the scenes, and I'm constantly referring back to, uh, you know, this practice of mindfulness, if you will, without, as I said, without overtly referring to it, without frightening anybody away, but, uh, you know, I certainly uh, do mention it by saying, hey, you know, this is this has to be part of your own practice. When we talk about wellness. That's so important to uh, to leadership. It's just, you know, it gives us that energy that sustains us not just through a career but through a lifetime. When you talk about wellness, you almost have to talk about mindfulness. So we talk about making good decisions and all those different types of things that are uh, you know as a result of wellness as well. Uh, again, you have to talk about you have to talk about mindfulness. So does that answer your question, Kathy? Yeah, and that's that's yeah. super because I think one of the things that many leaders, regardless of where they are in an organization, can do, we call it command climate, you know, in the military, they can create exactly what you're doing without calling it mindfulness. They can, they can through their leadership virtuous style, they can lend uh, a flavor to it that people can accept without having to, to label it mindfulness. So the idea that you teach tactics, which includes wellness and the decision-making, what we would call, um, you know, good uh, flexibility, interpersonal skills, things that wellness provides, uh, I, I, I tend to think of, okay, well, sleep. You know, well, sleep yeah. is a weapon, right? If you right. don't get enough sleep, right. <laughs> you're not going to be well enough to make the good decisions, not only for yourself, but, but for others. And so there's a lot to be right. learned there. So fantastic. I agree with you. And, you know, it's, you would talk about even decision-making or bias in decision-making, and, and which, which obviously is obviously what Daniel Kahneman started. 
you know, we are all human. We are all biased. You have to come to that uh, understanding rapidly. And that, you know, there are techniques we have to get around bias to circumvent it to some extent. But again, it starts with being mindful of the fact that as a human being, you're going to bring bias to the decision-making table, if you will. And those of us uh, are those who are, you know, still in the battle out there, still in the fight, who are mindful of that and a far greater chance of, uh, you know, incorporating that mindfulness into their everyday decision-making practices. So uh, as we come uh, to the last uh, few minutes of our show, I want to make sure everybody knows how to reach you, Dave. It's caracormgroup.com, info at caracormgroup.com. And they can also reach you at dcooper at caracormgroup.com. So that would be dcooper, C. O-O-P-E-R at caracorumgroup.com. And, you know, with the little bit of time that we have left, talk a little bit about what you do um, with a no-fail culture approach or model or what, what's been successful with your clients that, that you like to teach. Well, we talk about an AIM environment, really. With just a few minutes left, we talk about these aspirational, inspirational, motivational environments. And that is the recognition, and others have done this as well, and there's the research to support it. That's the recognition that, you know, people, you don't necessarily have to motivate uh, the people that work for you. Uh, They come with motivations. How do you create this kind of culture uh, that understands that. And that's what we call this, this AIM environment. You know, we're SEALs, right? It's got to have a, uh, a cool-sounding uh, acronym, Aspirational, Inspirational, Motivational Environments. And that's, that's really what we do. There's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of in-depth conversations. We're really drawing out of people, uh, and we try to imbue that culture with that sense. And really the no-fail attitude for us is not just a, a core value. It's a mindset, and it imbues... Uh, every action we take, and uh, that's probably the, the the best I can do to describe that in a short period of time, if that makes sense. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm going to start using that AIM environment as I develop a <laughs> tech you go. talk here for uh, for our joint forces, and it's and always Kat, an honor. Uh, what are you doing there, Kathy? Oh, when's your, with when's all your of talk? our friends. So thank you. Thank you, Dave, for being with us today. And uh, okay. we'll look forward to uh, hearing, hearing more about your new book, and hopefully we'll have you back on the show after it's out and about, and we can talk more. Terrific. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.